You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Friday to you all. You are listening to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, yet another show and yet another day with very, very little in the way of hot stove news. And in fact, the lack of hot stove news is the news today <laughs> because the big story is uh, if you haven't seen it, and by the time you listen to this, I think there's a good chance you have seen it, the open letter from Agent Brody Van Wagenen uh, from CAA, and uh, man, it's uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. So uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, a lot of reactions uh, to that letter. Uh, there are some moves. There are, uh, as you know, has been for the last several weeks, rumored moves. Uh, so I will get to all that, and you know, getting closer. I think to spring training, and uh, I'll explain in a little while why I say I think. But uh, hopefully spring training, less than a couple weeks away. And uh, so that means uh, drafts are getting closer and closer. And it's been a long, long time since I've gone to the email box. That's also, actually, you know what? I'm sorry, not emails, Twitter. There's no physical box involved, whether it's emails or or Twitter. So you'll, I know, uh, grant me a a mulligan on that. But uh, I'm going to be answering some of your questions uh, that you've sent to me today. Uh, so I'll be doing that more and more as we get closer and closer to your draft day. One person who sent me a whole bunch of questions is somebody from the Beat Al Melchior League on Fantrax. And I am now eagerly awaiting making my round 50 pick in that league. And that's the last round. 50 rounds is a lot of rounds, but it's a draft and hold. So uh, got to build up a big reserve, a big farm system there. So uh, got some questions about uh, my picks and my strategies in that league. Uh, so I'm going to take the opportunity, since we're, we're on round 50, I'm going to take the opportunity to actually do a little bit of review of the beat out Melchior League draft and some maybe lessons learned and some players to highlight. Uh, so we'll do that. And... If that isn't enough, I'm also going to dig in a little bit on the the stats for Luis Castillo. Put out a Twitter poll earlier today when I discovered something in the stat line. Pretty deep. Dug pretty deep. <laughs> Luis Castillo found something very surprising to me. Did a little bit of analysis. Uh, something that makes me worry ever so slightly about Luis Castillo. So uh, I will explain what that is and reveal the results of the Twitter poll. So uh, a lot of big stuff coming up. But um, before uh, we head into our first break, uh, we do have a trade. It's not a big one, but uh, maybe some impact here. The Orioles have acquired Andrew Susak from the Brewers for cash considerations or a player to be named later to the most traded players out there, player to be named later in cash considerations. Uh, If this were another team, I probably wouldn't pay that much attention to it, but the Orioles, they have a very sort of unclear catching situation, and there may actually be an opportunity for Susak to get some playing time. Uh, 
with the Orioles. What does that actually mean in terms of fantasy value? I will get to that and the rest of the day's news. But first, got to head to our break. I'll be right back. So stay with us. Since 1995, Real-Time Fantasy Sports has been the most trusted site in the fantasy industry. Home to an award-winning commissioner service and endless money leagues offered at a variety of formats and skill levels, RTSports.com is the only destination for the fantasy player who wants it all. Plus, RT Sports offers the most reliable and quickest payouts for any level of fantasy player. Do you like trades? Hate trades? Want a league for just three weeks? No problem. RTSports.com offers it all. And to ease the gameplay for all kinds of players, we're optimized for desktop, phone, or your tablet, making it simple to play wherever, whenever. Ready to get started? Head to rtsports.com slash lobby to check out all the games we have to offer and sign up to play today. rtsports.com, everything a fantasy player could ever want under one award-winning crew. Welcome back. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, do my best to help you rule your fantasy world this season. And uh, so today I'll get to a few of your questions from Twitter. be doing that more and more. But uh, yeah, let's get to the, the big news. And the big news is really about there being very little news about player signings, player signings, excuse me, player movement this offseason. And uh, Agent Brody... Van Wegenen of CAA wrote uh, an open letter where he basically all but uh, accused the owners of collusion, said that the behaviors of the owners feels coordinated. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much putting putting that out there. Uh, in a way, I'm surprised it's taken this long. And maybe I've missed prior uh, comments, but, uh, you know, I've been sort of waiting for that. And... Uh, he uh, he just put that right out there. Uh, also in the open letter, uh, Van Wagenen raised the possibility of the players boycotting spring training. And Ken Rosenthal, in a earlier report, uh, noted that the players had been inquiring, player representatives, uh, union representatives from the teams, some had inquired about the possibility of players not reporting until the mandatory reporting date of February 24th. So anything before that is is technically um, optional. But it turns out that uh, that sort of uh, boycott, if you will, uh, would actually be a violation of the CBA. So players decided not to pursue that, uh, that idea further. But, uh, you know, long and the short of it is that uh, the players are getting increasingly angry about the situation. Uh, obviously, the agents are as well. Um, so, you know, what I said earlier in the show, hopefully spring training starts in a couple weeks, pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, if there's, you know, any teeth behind some of these uh, threats uh, that are, are being, uh, you know, that are starting to emerge. Uh, but... Uh, it's uh, you know we'll we'll see and again when I say you know hopefully in a couple of weeks uh, that that's you know from a very selfish fantasy owner perspective, um, 
you know, that I say that we all would like to see baseball, but uh, the situation right now, you know, particularly if there were proven to be any collusion, I mean, this is, uh, it's not a good situation. So um, we'll be, uh, you know, tracking that. Uh, It's something that we as baseball fans might feel better about. I feel better about this is that the players union has asked major league baseball to consider bringing back bullpen carts. Although, all the reports I see are calling them bullpen carts. Uh, to me, they're only properly called bullpen buggies. But whatever you call them, I guess that's uh, currently under consideration as a pace of play uh, reform that we could see as soon as this season. I'd love to see the bullpen buggies back. All right. But uh, in terms of some player news, uh, the Brewers, uh, according to Ken Rosenthal, have recently contacted the Rays about the availability of Chris Archer. Uh, nothing it seems to be imminent on that front. And according to Rosenthal, they may not be sufficiently interested in either Domingo Santana or Brett Phillips for that to go anywhere. But, uh, you know, the, the Brewers are, are doing all of the uh, all the asking, all the doing so far, it seems. I know it's an exaggeration. But one deal that did get done just uh, earlier today, Friday, the Orioles getting Andrew Susak from the Brewers. Uh, Susak was just not going to get any sort of real chance to play in Milwaukee, and in fact had been DFA'd uh, just uh, within the last few days. Uh, that was to make room for Matt Albers. So Susak uh, on his way uh, to Baltimore, where Caleb Joseph would be the presumed starter. And I talked about a news item. I want to say maybe about two weeks ago, fairly recently, that Chance Cisco may not start the year with the team. He was, uh, I'd say, heading into the offseason, presumed by many, to be the starter on opening day. But it would appear probably not. And he may not even be on the roster as a backup. Uh, Austin Wins, another prospect who's on the 40-man roster, he could fill that spot, uh, reputedly very good defensively. And that would give Cisco a chance to uh, spend more time in the minors. There's probably, I would assume, some service time consideration also in that uh, possible move if the Orioles were to go that way. But now with the addition of Susak, it sort of throws all that up in the air. I mean, maybe neither Cisco nor wins starts the year uh, as a, a backup or, or on the roster at all. And I don't know. I mean... It, I, you know, there's. I don't think I can make a, a super strong case that you know Andrew Susak's the guy that's going to force Caleb Joseph back into a, a backup role. But I don't think it's inconceivable either. And what Susak would bring from a fantasy perspective with some playing time is a lot of power. He's a very fly ball heavy hitter, and has shown some decent power. Uh, in the minors and a little bit of it in the majors in very limited time. So with Camden Yards as your backdrop and a division largely full of good power-hitting ballparks, that puts Andrew Susak on the deep league radar at least. Uh, But that's, uh, (laughs) as far as actual moves go, that's probably the biggest one. I've got a whole slew of minor league deals to tell you about in a little bit. But before I get to that, a few other news 
items of note. Shelby Miller won his arbitration case. Uh, Chris Mookie Betts won his a few days back. Uh, Shelby Miller will earn $4.9 million for 2018. And not a big differential here. The Diamondbacks put out a $4.7 million uh, uh, offer to Shelby Miller through arbitration. And I've got to agree that I think it was uh, Hank Schulman of the San Francisco Chronicle that said this uh, on Twitter. And I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure because if it was a less than that. I wouldn't throw somebody's name out there. Uh, but he had uh, said, you know, he thought this was frankly asinine uh, to put somebody through the arbitration process and all of the, you know, negativity that accompanies that over a $200,000 difference. Uh, it's a head scratcher to me, but Shelby Miller won. So $4.9 million for him this season. Nelson Cruz reporting that Nelson Cruz <laughs> will be, uh, or has been rather, working out of first base this offseason. Put it up on Instagram. Uh, so not a big fantasy impact there, other than if Cruz actually does play some first base during the season, then there's the possibility of him gaining some dual eligibility, which is pretty cool. Uh, would just mean it's a don't freak out if you've uh, either if you own Ryan Healy or you're targeting Ryan Healy uh, would just be apparently to give Cruz a little bit of versatility and to create the the possibility of Healy getting an extra day off here and there. But uh, you know that I think for the the position eligibility that's that's kind of interesting for Nelson Cruz and also one of the Rule Five picks that I kind of liked to stick and not to get a whole ton of playing time, but to have a role is Mike Ford, who the Mariners drafted out of the Yankees system. Ford put up some nice minor league numbers, granted uh, a bit old for the, the circuit, but um, yeah, if Nelson Cruz is there to back up at first base, I don't see what the Mariners would need to do with Mike Ford on, on their uh, 25 man roster, but uh, anyhow, interesting development there. Here's a piece that we're we're so low on actual player news. I dug back more than a week for this one, or I should say I didn't dig back for it. I came across it and sort of, I regret not having seen this sooner, but it's not too late. I guess, unless you've drafted in last week that according to the Detroit news, the Detroit rotation, the Tigers rotation is pretty much set. The first four for sure. Michael Fulmer, Jordan Zimmerman, Mike Fires. Matt Boyd, there's your your one through four. And that Daniel Norris uh, has the fifth spot, not locked up, but that it's it's his to lose, uh, according to this piece in the Detroit News. But he is going to have some competition. Some of the names are kind of the usual Tiger suspects uh, for, you know, back of the rotation, shuttling between Toledo kind of status, Buck Farmer, Chad Bell, Ryan Carpenter, but also Alex Wilson. Alex Wilson's going to uh, compete for a starting role this coming year. So that gives him a little added value because I didn't see him being a serious part of the saves mix this coming year. But as a starter, there's at least some hope of Alex Wilson having some value. And yeah, that does certainly solidify solidify things more for Shane Green and maybe down the line uh, makes it a little easier for Joe Jimenez to uh, make the move into the closing role, or at least into a late inning role. Uh, so that that was an interesting development that unfortunately I, I missed last week. 
Uh, something that was in MLB.com just today about Bubba Starling. But uh, I'm going to have to put that one on hold because I hear my cue. I hear my music. <laughs> and uh, it's time to head to break. So uh, we'll talk about Bubba Starling and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'll be answering your Twitter questions when we come back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. are back welcome back to uh fan right fantasy baseball i'm your host al melchior and uh so you got to sit there for a couple minutes and uh figure out what's new with bubba starling i'll tell you what's new with bubba starling piece that uh, appeared earlier today in mlb.com ports up starling uh former first round pick of the royals nearly quit baseball last season after a miserable miserable start to the season but uh, made some adjustments and uh, actually finished quite strong. And, uh, yeah, last 44 games of last season uh, that he played, he, he did miss the latter part of the year uh, due to injury, but he uh, slashed a 288, or I'm sorry, 280, 326, 472 line. Not bad. Not bad with uh, AAA Omaha. And that's putting Starling into the center field picture this spring. For the Royals, I would not expect that he'd be a front runner, but uh, he'll come to spring training and, and compete for that role. So uh, it's a, a nice feel-good story there for uh, for Bubba Starling. A few minor league deals that I had said earlier I'd mention. Let's do it now. White Sox signing a trio of relievers, a couple of former closers, Jemar Gomez, Bruce Rondon, and also uh, lefty Xavier Cedeno all signed to minor league deals. I wouldn't imagine that Gomez and Rondon are going to be a part of that uh, closer picture on the South side of Chicago, but who knows? Uh, I think it's, it's fairly wide open. Uh, the Cardinals, speaking of former closers, are they going to bring back Edward Mujica, although this time on a minor league deal. The Cubs signed Peter Borges to a Myers deal. And of all these, probably the one that has the most potential impact, Miguel Montero going to the Nationals on a minors deal. And much like uh, the situation just a little bit up by 95 there in Baltimore, uh, Matt Wieters, I think, is, is you know, clearly the starter there, unless uh, the Nationals make a deal. Uh, they've been rumored uh, to be interested in JT Real Muto. Uh, so I wouldn't completely uh, chisel in Matt Wieters as uh, the national starting catcher next year. Uh, but if he if they don't bring on anybody else and Wieters struggles like he did last year, Montero is somebody to watch as well. Um, last couple of seasons have not been great offensively for Montero. They've also been really miserable from a defensive perspective, uh, specifically that he's not been able to throw out base stealers at all. Montero 
but um, he's been a pretty good pitch framer last couple years, or at least last year, I should say. I didn't look at the 2016 numbers for him, but last year, pretty good uh, pitch framing numbers for Miguel Montero. And, you know, skill-wise, I mean, he's the, the, the numbers have not been great at the plate, but skill-wise, not really a lot of decline there for Montero. So with some playing time, maybe he gets back to being a double-digit homers uh, catcher with a, a much better batting average. I wouldn't say we should expect Miguel Montero to hit for a great average, but I think he'd do much better than, you know, 210, 220. I think he could, you know, maybe hit closer to 250 with some decent power. I, I, I think, you know, I wouldn't forecast that for him necessarily, but I think that's a reasonable possibility for Montero. And I do think that there is some playing time possibility for him there. Again, if the Nationals don't go out and get a big name catcher like a, a Real Muto or, or even somebody, you know, quite a bit lesser than that. But nonetheless, it's a development that doesn't de- deserve to be completely ignored. So what I all will not definitely not ignore are your Twitter questions and uh, got a few. Uh, so let's get to that. Uh, the first one here from uh, Schmohawk at Schmohawk. I like the handle. And uh, Schmohawk wants to know, should I keep Mustakis or Braun? No round or cost implications likely won't keep either next year. I can see why this is a dilemma because Mustakis, uh, what he does eventually sign somewhere. We, we know who he is. Uh, we know what he can produce. And if he winds up in a good venue, then, you know, maybe he could even have a, a career year. So, you know, I understand that there's, I don't think there's a whole lot of downside to Mike Moustakis and, and maybe even there's a little bit of upside, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Braun here because uh, yeah, I understand missing time every year with injuries. Uh, I understand also the crowded outfield situation in in Milwaukee. It makes me a little bit nervous in terms of Braun's playing time. But I am a big believer in skills winning out, and Braun still has a really great skill set, and, and one that's really going to be harder to replace, especially at the outfield positions. Because there's, there's good depth at third base. You don't have Moustakis. I still think, and again, I don't have a lot of details here from Schmohawk about the the size and the format of the league, but I, I you know I just figure you know there's there's a good shot of getting a third baseman that can give you a lot of what Mustakis does, but Braun is you know somebody who can give you some power and speed and a decent batting average. We didn't really see the the good batting average last year, but I don't see any reason why he can't bounce back in terms of batting average, and the 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 steals and the power production for the time that he does give you going to be very hard to replace that combination uh, elsewhere because the, the drop off at outfield happens pretty quickly and pretty dramatically. So I would take the health risk with, with Braun um, and just factor in. You're, you're going to have some, you know, replacement level productivity there for a certain part of the season, replacing Braun in your lineup. But uh, and when I say replacement level, I don't mean major league replacement level. I mean, fantasy replacement level, which in most formats is much higher quality than, Major League replacement level, just to be clear on that. So yeah, I would go with Ryan Braun over Mustakis, but I do do see that that's that's a tough one. Uh, next question to get to here is from at Zach Daniels Senior. Uh, 
I'd be curious to know if you think this would be a good time to buy low on Michael Franco in a dynasty keeper format. I love this question because I agree wholeheartedly. It's a great idea. Um, the, you know, the power's not been bad from Franco. I think there's, he's young enough that there's some potential power upside. And in terms of batting average, I think, he, you know, I, I don't really like to throw around the, the terms lucky and unlucky anymore because now the last few years we know so much more about what goes into BABIP um, and, you know, what makes a player, you know, better or worse at, at producing on uh, balls in play. But in Franco's case, it just seems very clear that he was ripped off on Babbitt last year and therefore ripped off on batting average. Hit 234 on balls in play, 230 overall. And yeah, the line drive rate was down a bit, but that's something that for most players goes up and down, has gone up and down for Franco in his career. He's a little pole happy, but not to the degree that he should be that bad on balls in play. And, you know, again, shows some pretty decent power, which should help to bump that up. And particularly on ground balls, uh, really just performed at a level that just doesn't doesn't jive with all the stats that, that would undergird it. So, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to buy low on, uh, on Michael Franco. So uh, thank you for that question at Zach Daniels Sr. And then I've got a whole bunch of questions from at Dr. Mike Tanner. And you'll see very quickly here for the uh, first question that uh, at Dr. Mike Tanner, he's a, uh, a league bait of mine in the beat Al Melchior league on fan tracks. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, that uh, draft is just winding up. In fact, I should just check and make sure I'm not holding things up here. Uh, oh, I am holding things up. All right. So it's my last pick. Um, I'm going to take. Miguel Castro. And <laughs> maybe I'll talk about that later. Uh, so this draft is almost done. I just made my last pick. There are eight picks to go in this entire draft. So that's almost done. Anyway, I'll get back to some of the things about uh, this uh, draft, which is a, a standard uh, five by five roto, but uh, L. draft and hold league. L. But let, let me get back to uh, Mike's questions here. Al, can you hear me? Yes. It's your friend Nando. Hey, Nando. We're in the control room. Can I hear you, or am I just sound, does it sound like I'm just talking into the void? Here? No, I'm part of the show now, Al. Forever. Okay. I heard this you took good. Miguel Castro, and I've been touting Miguel Castro. I think it's, it's time for me to rejoin the show, Al. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, uh, all right. Well, go ahead. Tell me about Miguel Castro. Uh, Mike, Mike Tanner here has given me a whole bunch of questions. Oh, answer about then I'll story. get out of here. I just heard Miguel Castro no, in my no, ears no, pricked I, no, up. I, I, I love the pop-in. I, uh, I think he's got a chance to get some saves. I remember back three or four years ago, Alan, we co-owned a team when I first moved to Florida. Um, I think that was when the Miguel Castro versus Roberto Osuna thing was going on. It was a keeper yep. league that we got out of after a year because it was terrible. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Alan and I co-owned a team, and it, there was a Miguel Castro versus Osuna thing, and I think we went with Castro. If I, I maybe I remember this wrong, or maybe we went with Asuna. Whoever we went with, uh, I, I don't. I, I have to admit, I don't remember that particular dilemma at all. Uh, but I do remember being very high on Castro back then. And he only got older and better, and he's out of Colorado, and he could also start. I'd rather he close, yes. but he can start. So I feel like we're in a good place with Miguel Castro. You know, I feel, for a fifty round fifty pick, I feel pretty good about it now. 
I was telling. Well, thank you, Nando. I'm calling it a team with Chris Vaccaro. Uh, we're doing a draft champions, and I'm like, yeah, well, round 49. So, so I feel like I'm better with the 50. Then that's one more round of value. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's that's awesome. That, yeah, anyway, I, I'll I, leave you now. I'll leave you and your Enya. I, uh, I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt the show. I was just here, and I heard you say Castro. I'm like, yeah. Oh, you know, because I know we got to go to break here in a moment, but uh, when I come back, I'm going to break down some of these questions. So uh, I mean, I'd be happy if you join me, but I also understand you're, you're a busy guy. Let's keep everybody in suspense then. All right. That sounds good. So we'll head to break. When we come back, uh, Nando DeFino will be here or will not be here. Stick around and find out. There's been no shortage of many legendary father-son teams in NASCAR. The Earnhardts, the Jarretts, the Petties, and now the Angles. The Father and Son Fantasy NASCAR Hour continues the long-standing tradition of family and NASCAR racing. It features Hall of Famer Scott Angle and his son, five-time DraftKings tournament winner Sean Angle. They help you set the ideal DraftKings lineups with in-depth analysis and driver breakdowns. The Father and Son Fantasy NASCAR Hour, Saturdays at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. May it be an evening star shines down upon you. Welcome back. This is FanRag Fantasy May Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joining me, very excited for this segment, not just Denya, but Nando DeFino. Hi, Al. It's glad. I'm hey, so Nando. happy to be here. <laughs> Uh, you, you sound pretty happy. Well, so I just ate, so I'm okay. just a little subdued. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say Miguel Castro and me to just jump on and crash your show. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a very pleasant surprise. I mean, both just to have you on the show and to have somebody say, "Yeah, Miguel Castro in round 50." That was that was a good pick. I like. Are you worried about any of his? Pri- like, I know the whip has been kind of high. The strikeout rate was low, but I feel like that was maybe them saying you don't have to strike a lot of guys out because you're a Colorado pitcher. And then last year, well, maybe coming that, back to himself again. Yeah, uh, well, part of the reason that I, I had him queued up for a while is because I think there's, there's some strikeout potential there for him. Uh, the, the, whip, the, the whiff rate, rather, is um, you know, it's pretty average, but the strikeout rate was well below average. The called strike rate, uh, going by memory now, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and we're, we're, I'm going to get into a really nerdy breakdown of this, like, called strike versus swinging strike versus foul ball thing in a little while in relations to Luis Castillo. So I'm, I'm glad you're here for that. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you're really happy to be here for that too. But let, let's get to uh, Mike Tanner's questions here. Uh, I made a big deal about answering people's questions, saying I will definitely get to all these. So I can't, can't break that promise. Yeah, it's not about us, these- Al. It's about Mike Tanner. It is, this, is all, this is the Mike Tanner segment here. So, uh, Mike, I, I really hope you're listening. Uh, okay, so who was the biggest snipe in the Al Melker League draft? Uh, I'm assuming he's asking for me because I, I can't really speak for the other 14 owners. Uh, but for me, I'd have to say Brad Hand in round eight. And it was uh, Band of Gypsies that took him a few spots before me because I, I thought – Brad Hand was still sort of under the radar, even though he shouldn't be, because he's got some of the best peripherals of a of a presumed closer. 
Uh, but I, you know, just feel based on ADP that people are still still sort of catching up. But nope, nope. Uh, Band of Gypsies was totally on brand ha- hand, and I should have gone earlier. Uh, and some honorable mentions here: Matt Carpenter, who lasted till round thirteen, which I think is fantastic value. How the money have fallen out? Yeah, and uh, a team called Eilie Chassine took Matt Carpenter just before I could. Yeah, the Scott White special, Matt Carpenter. Yeah. Scott White well, loved uh, Matt Carpenter more than any player I've ever seen him love. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, Scott wasn't in this league, so he fell and fell and fell. <laughs> and I was just seen also snipe me in round 29 on Robert Stevenson. That's a good one. I, yeah, that's a really good one. And then Mike Tanner himself sniped me a couple times, once on Jordan Montgomery in round 17. But I, I, I'm worried about Montgomery actually getting to make starts. And Patrick Corbin in round 19. That was a good one. Um, but yeah, Jordan Montgomery, I actually meant to talk about this on the last show, Nando, that there was this report, uh, I think it was Joel Sherman in the New York Post, saying that Chance Adams could get, you know, a chance this year. Oh, the dudes here love Chance Adams. He was like yeah, the, the well, mascot of the control room for a little while. Yeah, well, for good reason. But how come the, the it seems like the Yankees don't want to, Use Jordan Montgomery in the rotation. I guess there's no, I mean, you look at Jordan Montgomery, you're like, okay. You know what I mean? Like Chance Adams has the high strikeout numbers, the low ratios. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is, you know, good. Uh, but I, that's, see, I, that's my guess. I don't know if the Yankees yeah. think of it that, that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't relate to that at all. I think Jordan Montgomery is really good. I thought he was pretty good last year as a rookie. The strikeout rate was just fine. He was one of the best pitchers in limiting uh, fly ball distance. You know how much I love that stat. So I'm disappointed. But maybe maybe in the end he'll, he'll get that fifth spot and, and all will be good. Well, if we learn anything over the years, it's that, you know, like all these presumed things that are going to happen, you know, maybe only happen 65% of the time. Yeah. And actually when I first talked about this report, I think that was almost verbatim what I said. <laughs> nice. So, uh so uh, we're, we're in sync, Nando. I like it. Uh, all right. Uh, so more questions here from Mike Tanner. My biggest regret, and I would say it's related to that snipe of Brad Hand. This is a, a draft and hold league. So you have to draft what you can't replace. And my usual MO of get two solid closers and uh, pitch and ditch the rest and go for saves on, on waivers, that's not going to work. <laughs> so right. I should have been much more aggressive in going after uh, an elite closer. How many catchers My did you end up with? closer is – what's oh, that? Sorry. How many catchers did you end up with? Four. Oh, there you go. All right. So you got that part. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was pretty good with building depth. Uh, and even with closers, I, I have three for sure closers. I drafted Anthony Swarzak, who I think will get some saves um, in the reserve rounds. So I, I, I did okay with quantity. I just didn't do a, as good of a job as I could have with quality. My top closer is Brandon Morrow, who could be great and, could, and who could also, you know, spend the year on the DL. Uh, right. After, you know, 10 innings. So, uh, well, you, <laughs> Al, you know terrific. what, though? Last year um, I had a draft champions team with, uh, with Chris Vaccaro. We're partners in all this stuff. Um, and we lost in the last week. Because we had benched Mike Miner and lost those four saves that Miner got in the last week. Ugh. Like, it's the, the random guys. We got Miner because we thought he was going to start. Like, we, look, I'll just get him with 48th, 49th round. And, uh, you know, so I'm just saying, like, some of these random guys you might have been picking in the mid-40 rounds, assuming they're pitchers, 
might be those four saves that you get that you're stressing out about now. Well, if, if I have time, I'll go over who I got with those last 10 picks and see if there's anybody besides Miguel Castro you like. Right, I'm sorry. Uh, more right, questions. Couple, my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, more questions for Mike Tanner here. Uh, what's, uh, what's my personal take on Randall Gritchick? He didn't know you were going to be on the show, so I'll rephrase. What's our personal <laughs> take on Randall Gritchick? It's okay. Uh, I, say, I say I think more, more playing time than he had with the Cardinals. Uh, I just think there are fewer threats to his playing time, less crowded outfield. Uh, but I think he'll put up pretty similar ratios and a little bit more home run power. So I think between more playing time and some better parks, which I think for Gritchick isn't going to make that much of a difference, I think probably between 25 and 30 homers with about 240 average. Would you comp him to the Justin Smoke explosion that we saw last? Is that like a is that his career trajectory? Or his no, 2018 trajectory? I, I don't see him. I mean, Smoke had it, at least in his history, being a pretty good contact hitter. That's, you know, Gritchick is two true outcomes. He doesn't walk. <laughs> he doesn't make a lot of contact. <laughs> So it's, it's, you know, homers or flyouts, basically. Um, but, you know, so with those no. players, Al, sometimes I feel like someone like Gritchick, and I've made the case for Wilmer Flores a lot this preseason, um, <laughs> just to myself, not on air anywhere. But uh, these guys who don't have a lot of playing time, they press, and they can't get into a groove. So Gritchick's playing here and there and, like, going up and down from the minors to the majors and, you know, playing every so often in, in some of the scenarios that we saw him in the stretches. Um, you know, give him a chance. Maybe he'll get that, <laughs> that third true outcome. If he gets into a relaxed role every day. <laughs> so well, what, what's your projection? Homers and, and batting average. I think, I think he's going to play every day. I'd put him in like, I'd safely go into the season, putting him on my team and filling out all the blanks. I'd put him at 255 with 35 to 40 home runs. Wow. I think the power is real. No, I do too. I do too. And yeah, maybe I'm a little conservative on the, on the homers. Um, interesting. All right. Well, uh, so Mike Tanner, you've got, Two projections to, to pick from. Last one. Favorite starting pitcher outside the top 30. Uh, and uh, he specified uh, NFBC ADP. So I don't know if you have that handy, but you, I'm sure you could, you know, ballpark it. Um, the, my favorite is not too far outside the top 30. So I'm being very literal minded here. Zach Godley. Um, I just think he should be in the top 30. And, uh, you know, just have to like the combination of the strikeouts with uh, – the high ground ball rate, maybe get the humidor thrown in. So I'd say Zach Godley's my favorite in terms of value, not necessarily overall uh, numbers, but in terms of value for the ADP. My favorite right now is Michael Waka. You love Waka. I didn't always. You historically, fact, really? Or maybe you just yeah, like saying Waka Waka with his name. I did. Back but, in the but no, one, of the, one of the most controversial episodes of the, the CBS podcast that I did was saying uh, early in the season that you could drop Michael Waka. <laughs> and, and I think Scott White like, blew a gasket and thought that was ridiculous. Um, but, no, I mean, but now at this value, uh, I, I think there's some strikeout potential there, some win potential. The, the innings are my biggest concern. Makes sense. So, uh, yeah, who's your favorite outside the top 30? Uh, pitcher? You know, we're actually in the 30th round of the, one of these draft champions now, and it's Matt's Wheeler-Harvey time. Um, I mm-hmm. think you pick any one of those three, and you, you got just as many pros and cons, so they kind of all even out. Uh, but if I'm taking a shot on any of them, I th- think it's Matt's, actually. I think Mickey Calloway is going to do a lot of good work with that staff. Um, so I, I, you can pick one of those three Mets pitchers, and that'll be my answer. Okay, well, that's, that's fair. I gave two, so... You know, you should be able to get a you know, get a bonus or two. <laughs> I only want one, but they seem to be all bunched up at that right spot. I don't know if like one Mets pitcher begets another, and that's why their ADP is kind of jammed up. But 
Like, oh, yeah, I forgot about these other guys. But I would say Matt. <laughs> I think Matt's right now is my favorite of that three. All right. Well, that's fair enough. I think I would agree with you on that. Uh, all right. Well, we got, uh, I think, a little more than a minute before the break. I always wanted to actually talk a lot more about this league on this show. I'm going to have to save this for Monday uh, because I want to get to this Luis Castillo stuff in the final segment. But uh, let's see. I apologize. I don't have the draft grid up super fast, so this makes for some really, you know, uh, great great radio here. But uh, here we go. <laughs> my final 10, Chris Russin, which is part of my strategy to get uh, relievers who could throw a lot of innings, like 80 innings, with good ratios, since starters aren't going deep. I like that. Uh, Kristen Stewart, who I think could uh, – you know, hit for some power with the Tigers, uh, get a, a call up. Matt Boyd, uh, not because I have some weird Tigers thing, but just he was a starter that was <laughs> out the there. Theme. JT Riddle, same thing, just building depth. Drew Robinson, I hope Drew Robinson gets some playing time this year. I, I, I love the on base and the power. Uh, Austin Tyler for the possible Greg Bird injury. Travis Jankowski for the possible steals. Joey Wendell, Sal Romano, and yes, Miguel Castro. Sal Romano could be the guy. I hope so. I hope so, Nando. So, you guys stick around for Luis Castillo, or you, you no, got... You know what? I feel like I've interrupted you enough, uh, and you're trying to get to things. <laughs> and I see the rundown right in front of you. you got more questions. I'll step out, and we'll do Nando Thursday. Yes! All right. Excellent, Nando. Well, thanks for dropping by. I love you, Al. Calling all drivers. Want a career that will take you places? Then Coach USA and Megabus is the place for you. Coach USA and Megabus, leaders in the local and intercity bus transportation industry, are looking for career-minded, conscientious drivers with a valid CDL Class A or B license with passenger endorsement. They offer paid training, competitive salary, and many benefits. Apply now and start driving to a better future. Visit CoachUSA.jobs. That's CoachUSA.jobs. going on there uh hopefully we'll have nando back on very very soon so uh with a few bits that we've got left here did promise that i'd get to some research i did luis castillo and i also put up a related twitter poll so let me start with the twitter poll uh where i asked what will luis castillo's k9 ratio be this season the options were below eight between eight and 8.9 between 9.0 and 9.9 or 10.0 or higher and the modal response, 41% uh, of the people who voted in the poll said between 8 and 8.9. And that is good. That is encouraging because uh, Castillo, last year, well above that, uh, 9.9. So I actually figured the results might skew a little higher. But you can look at this at another angle. And while 41% said between 8 and 8.9, a combined 52% said 9.0 or higher. So 37% said between 9 and 9.9. 15% think that he's going to actually have a higher K9 ratio this year than he did last year. Which, again, you know, if you think about it, you know, young rookie, uh, you know, could improve in the second year. Uh, progress isn't always linear, but, you know, sometimes it is. Uh, so 15% said 10.0% or higher. I'm sorry, 10.0 per nine innings or higher. 
So you combine those two, and the majority of the people who voted in this poll expect that Luis Castillo will get at least a strikeout per inning. There's two things I worry about with Luis, Luis Castillo that I hadn't really thought enough about before. One is that he had a big jump in innings last year between the minor leagues and the major leagues, uh, just short of 170 innings, one-third of an inning short uh, of 170 innings. The year before, in the Marlin system, between Advanced Class A and Double A, uh, 131 two-thirds. So nearly 40, 40 innings increase is a slight worry to me. But the other thing is that while Castillo does get a lot of swings and misses, that that big, juicy 9.9 K9 ratio last year, uh, he got that in spite of, well, actually, let me make sure I get the numbers right here with the, uh, or I shouldn't say in spite of, but he got that with the help of getting, uh, I want to make sure I get this right, folks, uh, with Luis Castillo, check my notes here, and I apologize, but I want to make sure I get this absolutely right. Uh, yeah, with a very high uh, rate of foul balls, and that's something that we don't look at a lot, but there's a pretty strong correlation between a pitcher's fly ball rate and the degree or the rate at which they they generate foul balls. And Castillo, he had a 19% rate, which is a little bit above average for a typical pitcher. Uh, The the mean uh, rate in the major leagues last year was about 17.5. But for somebody who gets a lot of ground balls like Castillo did, that's way above average. So if he got a lot fewer foul balls next year, you're probably going to see that K-9 ratio take take a bit of a tumble. So, something to think about. Uh, I, I had more analysis to go with that. So, I'll talk uh, hopefully more on Monday about that. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I'll be back here again on Monday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific, here on Fantasy Sports Radio. And uh, stay tuned for Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Have a terrific weekend. 